Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Wherever you are, in whatever part of the country you may be living in, I greet you and say thank you for blessing me with your presence. It is time to set your soul free with me, Stephanie. So let's see what we can be blessed with today. Today we're going to talk about teach the babies. And we're coming from Isaiah 54th chapter, 13th verse. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. The thought today, pray and pray hard. This scripture is telling us as parents or guardians or however we are affecting children to teach the children about the Lord. Many of them know of him, but they don't know him for themselves. And what that means is when they say, when I say that they know of him, they know of him because of us. When they're sitting in church and they're hearing about the Lord heard their cries or they're hearing adults testify of how the Lord brought them out of darkness. They know him, but they don't know of him for themselves, which means they probably haven't experienced nothing to know that the Lord has touched them. Or if they have, they didn't realize that is who brought them out of their troubled times. A child is never too young to learn about the Lord. The Lord is already talking to them in ways only they can understand. But as parents, we should find ways to tell them to get them to understand their purpose here on earth and what the Lord will have in store for them someday. One of the things I always taught in the ministry to my young people is, you know, what the Lord asked me to do is going to be totally different than the job he has for you to do, basically because of age, maturity or anything else that he sees, but he's still going to call you. There have been many children in the Bible that God called to do a job that only they can do. So I make it clear to them that you are not too young to have the Lord call on you for a job. You are not too immature that the Lord can't call on you to do something that he knows only you can do. But we as guardians need to make sure they know that. That what God may ask me to do is because I'm grown. I'm an adult. I have certain resources. It's going to be totally different what he asks you to do because your child is going to be more contained to you. And it could be as much as hugging a friend that's going through something or telling an adult something a friend can't because they don't know how to communicate. But you get that friend the help that they need. That's the Lord going through you to bless someone else. August 2018, Florida passed a law to display in God we trust in public schools statewide. And if you go to the blog, I left the link for it so you can read it for yourself because I'm one of the persons I'm going to tell you something, but then I'm going to show you where you can read it for yourself. It was a good start, but you can't put God in a building and think it will stop the violence. God has to be in the hearts and souls of all those who enter those buildings. And it starts at home. There is a thing I spoke about, about prayer in schools, where I talk about how I was there when prayer in school started. I was there when it started to phase out. And I was there when they changed it and to went from a moment. It started off as a moment of silence. Then over the years, it turned into 
a moment of prayer or whatever they call it now. And I was there for that whole transition from beginning to the end before it got to where it is now. And I talk about it in that blog and I'm going to actually we're going to talk about that, too, as part of the, the, the month of August is going to be praying for the children and the staff. But just to give an excerpt of that, one of the things I mentioned is you can't say people taking prayer out of the schools is the cause of the violence. No, it's not. That's just a word. That's just a feeling. If the person didn't have it in the soul when they walked in the door, there's nothing you can say. There's no banner you can put up. There's no holy oil or prayers you can put over a child's body before they walk in the door if it wasn't already in their soul to begin with. So for Florida to do this, it was a good start, but that's just words. For somebody to really believe in God we trust, it has to come from within. God has to be in the hearts and souls of all who enter that building. And like I said, it starts at home. We are still trying to force God on people and it's having the opposite effect. Case in point, when it went from when I was growing up, it was called a moment of silence. Now, a moment of silence meant you could do whatever. Do that last problem of homework before you got to school. During that moment, you can be quiet. You can take the fastest power nap known to man. If you're very religious or any type of religious, you can sit there and do a prayer. It wasn't called a moment of prayer. It was just called a moment of silence. And that was fine. Everybody knew what that meant. The problem came when they changed it to, we will not have a moment of prayer. Well, now that's when you have everybody in an uproar because it's basically to them is saying that you're saying they have to pray. No, no, they don't. But Because you changed the way it was, that's what people thought, and that's where it all went downhill. We cannot force God on somebody. That is one thing I've always taught in the ministry. Do not do something that you don't want to do. You know, growing up, we were made to go to church, made to sing in the choir, made to participate, and we weren't doing it to glorify God. We were doing it because we we were made to do it. And as I grow up, I'm like, that's insulting. You know, if I can't do it because I want to, I don't need to do it at all because that is insulting my father who blessed me with so many things. And I'm sitting up here doing something because I was made to do it, which means I'm not doing it to glorify him, to edify him. I'm doing it because somebody made me do it. And that's one of the things I teach my young people, you know, when they get to a certain age, you know, when you're a youth and you're not even a teenager or even if you're a preteen, if you're 17 and under. However the rules work in your house, do not defy your parents. Don't go there. Don't go there. I didn't do it with mine, and I'm sure not encouraging them to do it with theirs. But I'm telling them basically when they get older, become an adult. Don't do something because somebody made you do it because you're not doing it for the right reasons. And you will be the one that will be punished for it because you knew that in your heart you didn't want to do it, so you didn't give it your all. You didn't do the best that you can do because you were doing it grudgingly. We cannot force God on people. And that's where society turns on religion because we're trying to make them see God. We're trying to make them believe in God. And it's, it's having the opposite effect. You're running people away instead of bringing them closer to them. God is not something you can force on someone. They have to not only want God to be in their lives, but are willing to receive him as well. Even those of us who are basically born and lived and died in a church, even we all know that we can have God in our lives all we want. But if we don't receive him, meaning when we are going through troubles, if we're not receiving what he's saying we should do, then it's the same as, you know, 
you forcing God on me again because I'm not listening to what he wants me to do. I'm just, he's just in my life because that's what I was taught. I was growing up. That's what I was taught. God, 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 he'll do this. He'll do this. He'll bless, he'll bless, he'll punish. I'm just going by, I'm just going through the motions because of tradition. I'm not receiving anything that he's saying. I'm just going through the motions because that's what I was growing up to do. And that's what I did growing up until I got older and I started actually questioning what we were doing in the church. Okay, well, what does this mean? Well, why do we do this? Well, when we say this, what does this mean? And if they couldn't give me a straight out answer, there are some things, some rituals in the church I just did not do. Because an adult who I thought would know the answer could not answer my question as to why are we doing this? Why are we saying this? And they could not answer. Well, if you don't know, I don't need to be saying it. That's just how, that's just how I am. I mean, if I'm going to do something, I want to know why I'm doing it. You know, I, let me understand, you know, cause now I have children. Okay. Well, I can't explain, well, I can explain to them now. Cause now I know, you know, I had to research it on my own, but I know now, but if I hadn't have figured it out on my own, or if I hadn't have known what, why we were doing certain things, I'd be telling my children, don't do that. You don't know what it means. And I can't explain to you what it means. So we don't need to be doing that. Just because things are going on in the church don't mean it's actually of God. Some things man still insert in there because they feel it's better. Some words are rearranged on rituals or traditions that we do in the church because man thought it was a better way to do it. Okay. Well, you already took out the reason why God wanted to be done this way in the first place. Okay. Well, I can't do that. I'm not supposed to be following you. I'm supposed to be following God. Once that is done, the soul and spirit of a person will start to change. Meaning not only are they doing it because they want to know of God, but they are willing to receive him as well. So once they do that, the spirit in that person will change. The change will start the change in the next person and then the next person and so on and so on. And in society, we've seen that people that, you know, you didn't think would be nice to somebody is nice to somebody. Then that person sees that particular person thought, you know, see doing something nice. They want to do something nice. We have seen the ripple effect of paying it forward, I guess is what you want to call it, or kindness isn't canceled as channel five would say, we've seen what that is. When you see people do something for someone, then somebody reads that story or sees it on the news. And now they want to do something for somebody. That's what that is. When the spirit changes, when the pandemic came, there was so much love and outpour that it was amazing. It's like, it took a pandemic for people to show that they have a heart to show that they care. And you saw more people do things for people they didn't even know. They're probably on a regular day. They wouldn't even walk up to them. They're doing things for them. And that started the trend on everybody doing something for somebody that they don't know that even the children got involved. That's where the glory of God comes in. When the babies saw what the adults were doing and they took it another step forward. How many young baby entrepreneurs did we have started off helping someone because they knew they didn't have much, but this person did had less than them. And they started helping them. Now they got them a little nonprofit at 12, 13 years old, all because they saw people helping people they didn't know. And that changed something in them. That's a true testament of when the spirit changes in a person, it changes everything about them. And it it's like a virus. It goes from one person to the next, just bouncing from one person to the next. It is only then. Will we see the violence start to slow down and the foolishness of how we've been treating each other start to change? And that has changed. Violence, yeah, it has its moments, but you have more people stepping up to get those people behind bars. 
foolishness, eh, it's starting to die down a little bit because now you're having people saying, you know what? No, I can't do this anymore. You cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and I can't, I can't, I can't go down this road with you anymore. You are starting to see people do that. That was so gung ho in the beginning, now starting to pull back a little, you know, starting to be like, you know what? No, this, 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 this ain't what I was thinking this was going and, or it's gone too far. Now you done went overboard. I can't, I can't, be on this ride with you anymore. I'm getting off at the next stop. It's starting to change. It's it's going to probably take a little bit longer, but you can see that it's starting. More people will start to stand up for those who are being mistreated and those doing the mistreating will start to change their ways of thinking and make up for the wrong they have done. You have had some people do that. You know, you have some people that stood up, you know, government officials, high ranking people are starting to say, you know what? No, we're not doing this anymore because that's now that's just wrong. And you've I mean, you've literally Republicans have some of them like what gung ho, every, everything it was. Yes, 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 yes. And when it got to a certain point, wait, no, wait, no, no. Now, that's just wrong. No, I'm finna No, you finna go on this train by yourself. Now, you you went too far. You've had some of that happen. You've had leaders of big name companies could care less if their stocks fall. They're like, no, that's that's not how we treat people. That's that's that we don't we're not going to tolerate that. You've had people do that. And then you've had these companies try to change what they've done, try to make up for the wrong that they've done by admitting it first. That's that's the first thing you do. Admit that you were wrong. And then they try to find a way to fix it. So it, it's there. You just have to look. It, it's it's there. You know, some days take a break from reading about COVID and look at what's going on in the world, how change is happening. It's slow. It's a very pebble snowball right now, but it's it's starting to change. Today, start praying for all the kids going back to school. And you know who they are, family, friends and or children of co-workers. When we pray, not only call out the students by name, but pray for the schools, the faculty, any and everyone that will have some kind of contact with our babies. Teachers have it so hard. They're not getting paid what they're worth. They're having to come out of their own pocket to buy school supplies. I'm not that old, but I remember the days you go to school. I didn't have to bring nothing but notebook paper. That's it. Notebook paper and a pencil. That's it. Everything else was in the school. You know, we had that, Fun job of going to the copy machine, making that copies with the purple ink and you coming back to class smelling the ink because it smelled so good. You know, there were times where we remembered, you know, teachers have not having to do so much, not having to work so hard. And now it's like they're not only a teacher, they're a psychiatrist, they're a doctor, they're a bouncer, they're a bodyguard. It's like they have so much that they have to do. But nobody's willing to pay them. Teachers with PhDs and doctorates and masters who are not getting paid what they're worth. But you want them to make wine out of water. You know, all these standardized tests and all this and all this where you don't even give them enough time to learn the material to teach the child so they can be properly prepared for the test. And I'm not telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I've seen. See, when I graduated with my degree of early childhood education, one of the things I had to do was field work. And I did field work in an elementary school. And I saw what the teachers had to do. 
You know, you had your lesson plan. Then in that morning meeting, you're told this is what you have to teach them today. Well, you just got it today. So how were they supposed to know what the material is, much less how to properly teach it? And then at the same time, the children don't have that long to learn it. You have 15 minutes. Ten of it is teaching the lesson. Five of it is giving the children time to work it. Then they got to turn in the paper and move on to the next thing. They can't learn nothing that way. And that's why test scores are not the greatest because teachers do not have the resources. They don't have the time. They don't have the training to learn what Metro wants them to learn in the short period of time they want them to learn it for these kids to be tested later. God needs to be in everybody that steps through school doors in every school from here on out to protect, watch, and guide every soul that enters its doors. It starts at home. If your child's spirit isn't on the up and up in the house, it may not be on the up and up when they walk in the school building. Now, I'm going to say that to say this. I've seen how some children act when I was growing up. I've seen how some of them act in the house. Totally different when they were in school. They were angels, pillars of the community in their household. When they got to school, oh my gosh, it was the exorcist reborn 2.0. Or it was vice versa. They were disrespectful and rude to the parents, but when they got to school, they were angelic. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Helpful. Stopping up fights. Talking people down from fighting. And I'm like, wait, what? But basically, it all started from the one common denominator, home. Parents over the years have become their kids' friends instead of the parents. And by the time they're ready to become the parents, it's too late. Your child is used to the you being my friend lifestyle that there's no respect anymore. Again, I'm not telling you what I know, telling you what I've seen. And it all goes back to it starts at home. How your kids act at home will be the respect that teachers get when they get to school. Teachers should not feel threatened when they come to school every day. Teachers should not feel like, what is my day going to be like today? Is it going to be a good day? Do I need to call the police? Do I need to have the resource officer in there? It it should not be that way. But the parents, the guardians, all of us who are, you know, in contact with a child needs to get them under control now. So the kids can be safe when they go to school. Because, you know, there was a point where bullies wasn't being bullies anymore because the, the small fries, the people they were bullying, were starting to stand up to them. We don't need that kind of violence in the school anyway because we got innocent people being in the crossfire. We need to get a hold of the babies. We need now to let that kindness isn't canceled, that pay it forward, roll over into the children. So when one children sees a child doing something nice, it makes the next one do it and the next one do it and the next one do it to where the school is the last place we need to worry about. Is our children safe? I mean, we already got the coronavirus and all its relatives coming around before school starts. The last thing I need to worry about is will my child come back home the way they left? And if they do, will it be for the better or will it be for worse? Or will they even be ones to come home at all? It starts at home. It starts with us. 
the adults. We have got to do something and we've got to do it now. With this new strand of the virus coming around, it's going to cause chaos all over again. Children are already stressed out. This is the last thing they need added to their plate with them going back to school. This is the last thing they need added to our plate. So we need to pray for everyone who comes in contact with our children. We need to lay hands on our children. And I mean, praying hands. Let me make that clear. We need to put our hands on the children and pray for, you know, be there for them, hold their hands, pray with them, you know, make sure they understand that no matter what goes on, no matter what mistakes they make, come talk to us. We got their back, but they have got to understand that so they don't go with the wrong crowd or they don't keep hiding something, bottle something up inside to one minute they explode. And now we're on the news trying to figure out, well, what happened? We have got to regain control of our children to let them know I'm here for you. You need to talk. Let's talk. You need to vent. Let's vent. You need to cry. Let's cry. Let's do whatever we need to do because we don't need to lose no more babies to senseless violence or to violence in general. We don't need to lose them to depression, to anything, to stress. Children are too young to be having heart attacks, stressed out on medication. That don't make no sense. School shouldn't be that stressful. It shouldn't be stressful at all. But we have got to be that we have got to pay attention to the babies. They have stuff to say. The question is, are you listening? Pray for them in Jesus name. Amen. So I challenge you. Talk to your babies, your nieces, your nephews, your cousins, any child that is going back to school. Talk to them. See how they're doing. See how they're feeling. You know, I had a conversation with my young people when we started, when they first started going virtual. They express frustration. They express concerns. Now we're going to have that conversation again about them going back to school, how they feel about it. What are their plans? What are their thoughts? What are their fears, their concerns? We're going to, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get that out and open right before they even get to school. So when they go, they're fresh. Their mind is clear. They have no fear and they know what they need to do. But again, It starts with us. We have got to open that door to the conversation. Young people don't always know how to start off something that's bothering them. They don't know the right words to say, just like we don't sometimes. You know, we get confused. We get angry. We want to talk to somebody, but we just don't know how to start the conversation. That's where we, the adults, come in. You know, start it with them first. Let them be them and don't say, let them talk. That's another problem we have. Babies are trying to tell you what's going on, but we're interrupting them before they can get it out that we shut the door before it even opens real good. Let them talk. Let them get it out. Then if it is warranted or needed, then return the conversation. But it has got to start with us. Again, the month of August is all going to be about praying for the babies and the school system and the teachers and anybody else who comes in contact with the babies. Won't you join me? I'm going to pray while I'm here, pray while I'm here, pray while I'm here in Jesus' name. Oh, I'll pray while I'm here, pray while 
I'm here in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father God, we come here today to say thank you. Father, as the babies get ready to go back to school, Father, bless all of them from pre-K all the way up to college. Father, we even ask you to bless the ones that are in the daycares, that are teaching our children before they even get to the school building. Father, we ask a blessing for all the teachers, the educators, the principals, the resource officers, the security officers, anybody who comes in contact with our children. Father, we ask you to wrap them in your arms of comfort, that they think before they act, that regardless of the situation, that they think of the child's best interest before they react. Father, we ask a blessing for the school systems, for Metro, the governor, the mayor, anybody who makes decisions when it comes to our babies, Father, that they use their hearts and not their heads. Not thinking the the quickest way is going to be the best way. Father, we ask that they actually think the things through, the cause, the effect, the action, the reaction. We ask that they think of everything before they make a decision. Father, we ask a blessing for those who are going through the coronavirus still even today, Father. Those who've contracted the new versions. We ask for a blessing of healing over their body, Father. Bless the families of those who are still losing loved ones to any strand of this virus. Father, we ask you to come on through, Father. Bless this land. Heal this land. Work with the leaders, Father, that they will open up to work with you. Father, we ask the blessing for those parents, too, that there's going to come a time where stress is going to reign, that, Father, they take a moment, take a breath, calm down, and get back up again. We thank you, Father, for everything thus far, and that's coming in the future. We know our blessing is on the way. All we need to do is trust and believe. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stay blessed. Be that light in someone else's darkness.